Hey everyone, welcome to We Weren't Friends in High School, the podcast where I reunite with high school classmates for my graduating class of Wissigan High School in the suburbs of Philadelphia. I'm Brad Corbett, class of 2001. So I took a little bit of a break over the holidays, but we're right back at it. And I want to thank all of you for coming back after a good 30 days off, which reminds me, I do want to thank Jen Mackeman for episode 237 that we did at the end of December, just before the break. It is available in the archives everywhere you get your podcasts and at youtube.com slash redshirtplayer. Don't forget to follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at We Weren't Friends in High School. I've been expanding the guest pool just a little bit, and today's guest is a product of that, Chris Hoagland, who was a classmate of mine for middle school only. After middle school, he went to LaSalle College High School, which wasn't uncommon for some students to leave public and go to private school, but Chris's reasons for leaving were probably not the same as most. I've seen Chris around town for a lot of years, but never had this conversation with him about leaving Wissahickon or where his life was at now. Uh, I've seen him on social media for years, especially during football season, but I thought this was a great opportunity to get to know Chris a little bit better. So here is my conversation with Chris Hoagland. What's up, man? How are you? Good, good. Let me see if I can get this volume worked out. Let's put a little mood lighting on. <laughs> Alexa, turn the lights off. Do I need to set mine up for like some purple romantic? Do you want me to? No, no. I think this is the appropriate amount of romance for this conversation. Feels good to you? Yeah, yeah, the vibe is good. The vibe is good. Nice, nice. Yeah. What's up, man? Nothing much. I hope I qualify for this podcast because I guess this is a, we weren't friends in middle school. Yeah, we've taken it back now. Yeah, you're the so, you're the first guest to uh, never actually attend Wizahickon. Well, no, I uh, did, high school. Yeah, high school, but I did attend every prom for Wizahickon junior and senior year, and not my own. I skipped my own. Somehow, then you've got more credentials than I do in that in that element. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. I think I just went to school at LaSalle. But everything else was Wissahickon all the way. And it would have been Wissahickon if I uh, if I ended up sticking it out. But just we'll get into that. But so how do we start this thing off? Like, what's the what's the protocol here? We're doing it. We're already in it. Oh, boy. <laughs> I've already removed the uh, fourth wall. <laughs> Hello, audience. <laughs> No, we're doing um, it, man. These, we just like slide into these things, and you know, it, it's very like informal. Um, yeah. I prefer it that way. More of a, a conversation than a, a a checklist of of questions that I have or anything like that. I'm I'm good at checklists, so <laughs> um, yeah. So it's crazy because I started with second because. I, I just begged my mom. I was like, mom, can I go to public school? I want to go to public school. Like I went to St. Helena's for grade school. Oh. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, I grew up in Bluebell and, uh, just public school, you know, the kids with no uniforms and, and just wanted to change, you know, do something different. Well, I showed up at public school, not knowing a thing about fashion 
and I'm really bummed out that and I searched high and low for my middle school yearbook to find out uh, uh, for picture day. I had a white button up short sleeve with denim, you know, short sleeves. And I thought I was just really in there. But I think everybody in the seventh grade class made me know that was not the look. It wasn't it. You know, but uh, yeah, I loved it. I, I thought I'd love it. But I showed up there and uh, being the new kid, not knowing anything about fashion, it was like uh, a fish in a shark tank with some of the, some of the things. And uh, that's one of the things, not necessarily about me, but just bring the light in this day and age, like bullying. That's why I left after seventh and eighth grade. Like I didn't have a friend in the world there. It felt like um, Javier Marquis was a, was a friend of mine. Um but other, I mean, I guess there were some guys, but I just remember Javier was always decent, like always a really good dude. Well, now you grew up in Bluebell. Did you have friends that you knew from Wissahickon when prior to going to middle school? No, that was the crazy thing. And that's sort of like the twist of, of life that would have happened. Uh, I hung out with Kevin the Prosperous. Yeah. From, cause I played WRA soccer right. and you know, the, I have great memories of dial up internet at his house uh downloading music i know that guy's like a music encyclopedia now it's funny how many people from just from you know people of our school that kevin de prosperous influenced through music right right yeah so uh so that guy and i we spent a lot of time together in the in middle school just from playing soccer together and friday night pizza you know all the stuff you i guess we forget now that we're like in our 30s like what do you do when you're 14? Like you got no car, you got, it was just all sports and pizza, you know, and trying to figure out women, which I still haven't figured out. Um, But I, I spent a ton of time with him going to dances at the epiphany and that sort of thing. What's epiphany. It is a local, uh, I guess, grade school here, Catholic grade school, right on Walton road here in Plymouth meeting. So that would be like the St. Helena's Epiphany dance type I thing. I thought it was like a I thought it was like the, the rogue teen night or something. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> the rage. <laughs> so I did that with him. Um went to middle school. The only thing I really remember from middle school like was Mr. Schneider's seventh grade math class. Mr. Schneider, yeah. Yeah. yeah and when yeah. you had to bring in the uh, Sears catalog during Christmas time yes. to write the checks and all that. I, that's the one, uh, Mr. Schweikhaus or Schweikhaus yes, science seven, class. Seven B. What I don't understand is why do you have to draw the cells? You know, like <laughs> you look in the microscope who like, that seems like a very specific thing that should be like a college level thing. So science, that was Mrs. England Gordon. Is that right? Oh no. Schweikhaus. I had Schweikhaus. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, it, she was eighth. So then, uh, I only remember with him, we had to make like not draw. We had to actually make it like a 3d, a 3d rendering because this is like, he probably saw me and said, nah, this kid ain't got it. Just give him the pencil. 
Oh, dude, I remember I had to, I had to make one and my mom was away and I half assed it. And my dad was just like, whatever. And I like I put toothpicks on a sponge, like a legit like a, a kitchen sponge. And I put just like toothpicks and rubber bands around. I'm like, this is kind of what it looks like. And I think he called my dad and was like, what was this? What is this? <laughs> but I, I don't know what a nucleotide is. And like and I hope the people watching this agree, because it is like. I'm sure if you're going to be a biology major, that was probably real good. I wasn't going to an art major or a biology major, so that was really a low point for me. Was was that? Well, what what were you into? Then you you talk about like you played soccer and and music and what, yeah. were you like a sports kid growing up? What were your interests? Yeah, yeah big big sports kid. Um, soccer, baseball. Let's just say that I batted ninth. After the pitcher, I was that bad at baseball. So <laughs> baseball wasn't my thing at all. Uh, I'm real good friends with Chris Stout and, and those baseball guys now. The, uh, no. <laughs> Basketball, no. <laughs> yeah. For you, I, so you didn't, but you didn't know those, you didn't know those kids in school at that point, right? Right. You're... So the story goes like this. Uh after eighth grade, uh, again, I'm not harping on it, but just there was a lot of bullying, a lot of like, I hated it there, got beat up. I was actually, after I listened to the Javier Marquis podcast, I wrote to him and I said, man, I just want to thank you for like always being a solid dude and all. I said, except for that one day that you and I got into a little scrap and ended up in ISS together and we had a good laugh about that. But um, so after that, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go back to my brother went to LaSalle High School so I was like, let me just go there and just follow like what my parents suggested. And wouldn't you know that summer between eighth and ninth grade, I meet a kid named Kevin Knabel and playing hockey up at the Wentron Park near uh, near our, where I grew up. Yeah. Him and I hung out every day. We would meet there for hockey. Uh, who else was there? Eric Payne, I got introduced to Eric Payne that way, George Berry. Uh, then when I started hanging with those guys, uh, Chris Woodland, um, Steve Pelleggi, like these are all the guys I got to know after I already started going to LaSalle. And that's how, uh, funny side story, one day we go over Chris Woodland's house and I walk in and we're, we're going upstairs to play Xbox or something. And I see Simone Woodland, who was in my class. And I go, Hey, what are you doing here? And she's like, Christian's my brother. I'm like, Ooh, you know, but that was, I don't know why that like stuff like that sticks in your head, but yeah, I never made the connection. But after I met all those guys, it's been like best friends for 25 plus years now. So if I would have met them maybe a year sooner, I probably would have stayed at Wissick and I went to Wissick in high school. Yeah. Like I said, I went to, I never went to a LaSalle prom, but we worked a little, a little scheme out that I got to go to all the formals and all the, uh, the proms at Wissahickon. So see, I remember, I, I remember like one incident in middle school where you were getting like beat up and coming out of gym class. Um, and I ran up, it was like nothing I'd ever seen. I hadn't really seen like a fight. I've been in fights, but not like a, you know, what seemed like an unfair fight, I guess I hadn't really ever seen that. And I remember running and I told, I had to go get Mr. Stokes. And I was like, we called you Hoagie back then. And I remember yep. saying, like, I said, they got Hoagie downstairs and he like jetted out and he ran down, ran down those stairwells. I remember let you out in the hallway there. 
And, yeah. um, but I didn't know that that was like a thing that you were, I wasn't aware that was a thing you were going through. In yeah. It, it, uh, it's crazy. I mean, everything in life happens for a reason. I, I firmly believe that a thousand percent. Um, but because of that, uh, and we'll get into this too, but I coach youth lacrosse now and I asked to be in either fifth and sixth or seventh and eighth grade because I just remember what it was like to be that age. Mm-hmm. And those kids really put up a good facade, you know, and some were going through things at home. And I just feel like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you could be a sounding board or like something positive to somebody in that age, like that's a really good thing to do. I learned a lot from that time in my life. I wouldn't change it. I don't blame anyone per se. I have some good memories, you know, uh, Dan Hornberg, Hornberger. Yeah. He was, he was, uh, you know, buddy of mine at that time. And, uh, it was just life. It was the first time I really, I mean, going to St. Helena's was such a small class and then being in sixth or seventh and eighth grade and then starting to figure out about girls. And it's like, Oh, Hey, who, Hey, Hey, Oh, you don't, you know, it was, it was cool. You know, I don't know why I didn't play sports. I was sick probably cause I felt like I didn't fit in and I was doing WRA, but mm. I always you know. found it hard to, to, do extracurriculars like sports in front of classmates because I was not in any t- any type of like upper echelon. The anxiety mm-hmm. of you know playing baseball and or soccer, I, I was not yeah. good at anything. I felt comfortable playing basketball because at least I knew the rules. But like that was that was a it. You know, it was yeah. for me. It was very much like not. I never got involved in in any of that stuff. Uh, yeah, in middle school or high school. Yeah. By that time, by that point, it was over. Um, but you coming from a smaller school into a bigger school, I've talked mm-hmm. to a few people, you know, in Ambler that, that did the same before coming into high school, but middle schools, you know, that point where you're starting to try and make connections, right. um, for the first time. And people usually say that sports is the thing that helped them make those right. connections. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm just glad I had like Kevin to prosperous, like I said, him and I, we we uh, always joke like kids nowadays that they listen to this music and they talk. I see like the Biggie Smalls T-shirts yeah, and the yeah. Tupac, and I was like, I should have won. I was like, I remember where I was when Biggie got shot. Like I remember Kevin DeProsters comes running in to this Epiphany dance we were at, and he's like, Yo, Biggie just got shot. And like I don't know why I remember that. Uh, like I'm a white kid from Bluebell. Like I'm like. Damn, he's like, yeah, rest in peace or something like. Can we can we break this down of how that would have he would have even possibly because we this is pre-internet. That's that's <laughs> this a is big pre, fact. This is pre-cell phone, pre-internet. How did he find this out? <laughs> yeah, he did. He we would have had to be on the dial-up modem. Yeah, some. I'm telling you, that kid is one of the. There's few guys in this world like Chris Chris Woodland is one of them. Mm. Just a complete music junkie. You're same thing. Like if I could say some of you, you'd be like, "Oh, Beat Nuts in '98. Yes. That was track three, Watch and out, uh, yeah. that was the third bar." Like me, I'm like, "Yo, that was a cool song. Who sings that?" Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, that that's so true. I never even thought of of that fact. How he found that out back then, it was things seemed much better back then. You know, because you went to play hockey up at the park and I would call my mom to get picked up and I would have to call her collect and be like, 
you have a collect call from, hey, mom, I'm ready to be picked up at the park. You know. The classic. That's the classic move. Well, life moves so much slower. I mean, I remember. It's funny we're saying life moves slower. We have these memories of of these uh, famous deaths. But I remember when when Tupac died and being in Miss mm-hmm. Papadopoulos's music class and mm-hmm. playing, uh, I think Machiavelli had just come out. So playing Live and Die in L.A. And that was like the that was like the you know the throw him up song for for Pac. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. Like music is such a stamp of time, and I know a lot of people say that, but you could just think of different songs, and it's like, again with with Kevin, we would hang out every day almost, and then we would sit on his front porch, maybe sneak a little liquor from his dad's cabinet or something. And be sitting there and be like, man, we're old, like 30. We're going to be doing like major things. We're going to have like houses and like wives and like, you know, uh, but it's just funny how I'm like, now I'm like 30. Hmm. <laughs> like, I don't feel that old, but you, you know, time goes by, but we listen to songs and he had this uh, teal silver accord that he got from his sister. She kept coop two-door nice she kept it spotless you know when you're younger you get your first car you think like you're really doing something big like we painted his windshield wiper arms like seven different colors this and that and we used to ride around listening to the beat nuts and this and that he had the neon we'd go over to read his water ice and like post up like yes nobody's the post up (laughs) yeah like nobody's looking nobody cares that you have ground effects on like it's a, and we had this so one fifteen inch, this one fifteen inch subwoofer that went from Kevin's car to Eric Payne's Buick to, or no, Eric Payne had the Regal or whatever to Chris Stout's whatever he had mm-hmm. into my station wagon. Like everybody had the system back then, and if you liked the girl, you dubbed her the CD of like, oh, hey, yeah. these are so, and then you got to hand it to her and like, hopefully not too many people are around because you look like a creeper, you know. <laughs> the I, but that was. Yeah, the mixtape. Like, uh, I find you attractive. I hope you have the same taste in music. I like. I you. feel like that's. I hope what... you like loud, aggressive hip hop. This is for you. The locks. The locks. Flat out. If a proponent of the locks, and again, Woodland introduced me to him, and him and I have been on that. Everybody was with Jay Z with the blueprint and all that. Mm-hmm. Nas. I... So. In, in middle school, I mean, this happens to be my wheelhouse, but I, I remember like middle school, early high school, like I was not a Jay-Z guy. I, it took, uh, I remember um, after Biggie died and he had, um, Jay-Z had Life and Times of S. Dot Carter as the second album and he had that Sunshine song. He was on tour for the, the P. Diddy and the Family concert with everyone and I was not feeling it. It wasn't until volume two where I was like, okay, this guy's got something. Mm-hmm. what is the if you had to pick two concerts that you've been to oh. that were like that changed me like i am different markably different from walking in there to walking out of that concert mm. uh best show i've ever seen that was just like opened my eyes was usher and the roots roots picnic about four mm. or five years ago the roots backed usher and Usher, you know, Usher at the time had that oh 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 that song oh my mm-hmm. god right and and some of the more like you know auto tuny whatever and 
I was not that into it. And I think I kind of I was sleeping on the nostalgia and the classics. But then when Usher's up there and it's a one man show and often with these roots picnics, they bring a lot of special guests and Usher didn't do that it was just him for like two hours. And it was the closest I think I've ever felt to like that Michael Jackson moment where you're just okay. watching the guy do everything you know that he's done and you've probably made fun of and he's just kind of you know doing his dance around the microphone right. and you're just like oh like this is the usher thing but then he like turns and he hits that that thing he just like starts going into the confessions you can just go this is the shit oh my god i forgot how much and and then it just hits that and then he's going all the way back with nice and slow and you just go wow these these are undeniable that was the I, hit and then you just go, how long have we been here? I feel like he's done like 31 songs or something. You forget he's he's not to be slept on in that way. And I remember just coming out of that feeling like, wow, that was wild. Mm. Um, that's that's maybe up there as number one. Um, man, a number two. The Roots, the first time I ever saw The Roots um, at the uh, the art museum right when I got to college, it's my second year of college, I think, and I just joined the radio station. And they did a show um, with the Mighty Mighty Bostones. And I'd never mm. been to a show with my peers before. It was, I had only been to one concert before just with my dad to see New Edition and 112. And this was my I'm second fair. concert ever. Yeah, also a great show. And <sighs> I remember just like seeing the roots and I never, I just heard of them as kind of like this hippie backpack rap group. But I didn't realize it was like live music and I'm lucky in the sense of like having that appreciation for the live music aspect of it. Um, mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of people never have really seen the roots play, 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 you know, jam and, mm -hmm. and everything. And it just completely changed the way that I look at music and really my whole time from after that point, because I did college radio in the way I've accepted just non radio, non top 40 stuff into my life. I think it started with that aspect that, you know, like Kevin, who who maybe knew some of these, a lot of these deep cuts and and a lot of this stuff that never got played on the radio when we were kids. That you go, oh wow, this person can introduce me to those things. I never was able to open my mind up to that until I think that moment there when I saw the roots, and I was just like, oh wow, there's just so much fun to be had from stuff that, contrary to the Usher world, where it's, I grew up with all these stuff that everyone else isn't listening to. You can introduce right. other people to it, and it started with that moment there when i saw them first time ever nice that's solid you all right so i'm gonna start a little off the wall for a moment garth brooks uh-huh at the wells fargo center i went myself got a ticket for 18 dollars a day of in a club box okay and he put on entertainer of the year type show where it was just i don't know i'm really connected to country music and and pretty much any music that tells a story behind it and a lot of those stories that he was telling really resonated with me i'm more of a hip-hop and country fan from like 1990 to like 06 and that's why i tell people and they're like that's real specific i was like well is what it is um so that was really great. But the one that really like comes back to like high school time, the up and smoke tour at the spectrum, I think it was 19 or 2001. 
something or maybe like 98 to 2001 somewhere in there i have it on vhs still and it popped up on my timeline on one of these social medias and i just sat back and i was like we didn't even know what we were looking at then it was like even the non-headliners like corrupt daz whatever you know like all these guys that i mac 10 you know like they brought the Stuff, I don't even think they do it. Let's not even get into regulators. Definitely like everybody, dude. you know, like they brought the car out on this on the stage and did the low rider. Like they made it bounce. You don't see that at concerts now. But then you had Eminem come out when he just was fresh on the scene. I need but, to. I need to just stop you there just for a second because that's incorrect. Be, and and okay. the only reason well, I need you to need to correct you is because. It's what makes this that show even more incredible is that he wasn't fresh on the scene. He was two albums in, but happened to mm-hmm. be the number one artist in the world. He was that uh-huh. was the Marshall Mathers LP, okay, right, which I believe was ninety nine. Um, he was the number one artist, and he was opening the show in the orange jumpsuit. He was the number one artist in the world opening the show because the headliners. Where Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg. That makes the it makes it so much more incredible. Right. I guess when I say fresh on the scene, because I know now mean. we're I know we're th- you know, but it's just like he wasn't a he wasn't a legend. He was just the new thing. But it was just like I want to clarify for people we were... who don't know how huge that is. That would be like um, that would be like who who's that would be like if Cardi B opened up for Lil Kim and Foxy Brown on a world tour true and you go like uh i want you know i want cardi to to come out at the end like no no she's actually just she'll be on at 8 30. <laughs> get in early i remember so you mentioned your first concert and i can't it's between two it was either dave matthews band at the vet i need a i need a dave matthews bell uh every time someone mentions dave matthews band for this podcast i need a little ring a little bell here well i'll clarify the that concert, I didn't buy a ticket to. I didn't have anything. Someone won them at school and invited me to go. I didn't know a single song. I think I walked around the 700 level the whole time because, you know, when you're at a concert, like you really need to know the music, I feel like, to especially in a large venue like that where it's being pumped out to really understand. I was just like confused, lost, and just whatever. Or it could have been in sync at the – uh, the whatever they called it, the Tweeter Center in yeah. Camden. Yeah, Susquehanna because Bank Arena for you kids out there. Yes, yes, indeed. Because my buddy Kevin Canable, uh, he his sister had an extra ticket, set of tickets or so. And again, we have no car. We're fourteen or fifteen years old. We'll go. Uh, I remember one of the guys chugged a couple forties in Kevin's bedroom before we left. And by the time, and every time I drive into Philly, I think of this years later. He was crying. He had a piece so bad. We had to pull off at the Gerard exit at the zoo. And he's like, I, I drank these 40-ounce beers and I got to pee. pee behind the gas station there. Uh, that person will remain nameless uh, for anonymity's sake. But, uh, yeah, it's like that stuff you look back on. And I just went to the Thomas Rhett concert uh, about a month ago. And something about music. I wish I had rhythm. I have a guitar hanging in my bedroom. I bought it. I really want to learn how to play it. I have no rhythm. Mm. I am 
iron stock, the stereotype of a white boy. I got no rhythm, but the music speaks to me. And that's how I connect with people. You know, music and sports are like how you can connect with me. When you were going to leave middle school, did you Mm -hmm. have to reconcile that then with, you know, these people you were making these connections with in, you know, you, in, it was a hick where you like, like, do you know people at LaSalle that you're going to say, okay, I'm going to come join you guys. Or is that going to be a fresh start? Are you looking at the, you know, Kevin DeProsperis and, and Javier and those guys being like, Hey guys been real, but now I'm just going to go over here. What, what's that transition like for you? So my entire life, I've felt like an egomaniac with an inferiority complex where it's like, look at me, look at me. Nobody really wants to look at me, like whatever. Uh, so when I left middle school, it was just sort of like sign my yearbook. And I, I don't think I had that uh, self-awareness or bandwidth to go ahead and like reconcile things with people. It sort of was just like, these guys all hate me and I'm not good enough to be here. My brother goes to school at LaSalle uh-huh. and it's a good education. My parents are suggesting it. I have amazing parents who are like my best friends. So it was, again, I say everything happens for a reason. So I, I was blessed with a great education. And uh, this will be a shout out to Eric Payne mostly right now, because whenever we'll be hanging out back in the day in his uh, teal Corsica with the little diamond hub cat, uh, valve stem covers. I remember the course. You know, you heard that doubles. Um, he would always go like me and Kevin are going somewhere. I'm like, it's actually Kevin and I. And he's like, okay, LaSalle, you know, like it would always be that sort of thing. So got a great education there, played soccer. Uh, it's when I picked up lacrosse, uh, played lacrosse there. And it just was, again, just running through life, not feeling like good enough. That's when I started drinking my drinking, like career, as you might say, um, I ended up going to college, playing lacrosse in college, and, um, you know, it's here we are. <laughs> Did you, uh, when you get to LaSalle then, um, what's different that makes it easier? Is it the dress nothing. code? Is it the dress code? that is it the Nothing made the it easier. I still got, I still got bullied, but not, wow. not bullied in the sense of like, I'm going to fight you. Like when we had those like inner pod wars, I remember back in the day where people would just be like fake fighting mm-hmm. in the hallways. It was more like pod wars. God, <laughs> I knew I had to bring that up. But yeah, so he uh, or he um, LaSalle was like everybody. And this isn't I'm not putting anyone down or saying it's wrong. It's just how I fit into equations because my I guess we judge ourselves by our behind the scenes and everyone else by their highlight reel. And that's why Say that again? Some, we judge ourselves by our behind the scenes yeah. and everyone else by their highlight reel. Yeah. Wow. And that's, that's really something, good. Right. And like with the social media now, we know everything about everybody, but at the same time, we don't really know anything about anybody anymore. Because you're going to procure whatever you want to put on your social media and let me think like life is great, you know, blah, 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 look at this money, look at my new car. But when was the last time you got to, aside from this podcast, which is why I always thought it was amazing, that you really got to sit down with peers and say like, how are you feeling? Like, how did you feel in middle school? Like, how can we, or whatever it is. Um, So anyhow, when I got to LaSalle, all those kids had been together since grade school 
and some of them had a decent amount of of money and i'm not the guy to get into like socioeconomic conversations and like all that i know it exists i just am not that well versed in it but i know there was a a strata there of wealth at LaSalle. um and some kids that were that went to a grade school that cost several thousand dollars like so the writing sort on the wall and again it's like any high school there's the jocks there's the nerds there's the this there's the that the band guys and the, but there was no girls there everybody had to wear a uniform and it was sort of like it was like a job for me it was like i'm putting in time here but i got my boys i'm gonna go play hockey with after school and you just sort of went through the motions. I remember what was the deli that was on the other end of town in Ambler, not Cost. Costas, the other side. All, um, like if you went down Butler and you're heading towards Costas and you made a left. Nick's. It, yes. It was like you made a left Reef, from where Reef's Casey's Mill, Alley's is. Reef's yeah, it was Mill, like that weird Ten- intersection. Tennis Avenue, uh, Mount Pleasant, yeah. Spring Garden, that four-way. Yeah. yeah, I think it was Nick's yep. Deli. That was the one. I'll never forget it. The, some of the guys, I think, were leaving school on their own accord a little early, we'll say. Sure. Uh, and I was done. Like, I had free periods for 7th and 8th. So I remember meeting the guys there. And, like, I have, like, my tie on. And, like, come in. They're like, would you just leave a business meeting? But the cheesesteaks cheese were always amazing there. Mm-hmm. But it was always, like, that would be, like, the spot to meet up when we could start driving for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, like LaSalle, it was, it was a good time, but again, I didn't fit in, but I had my, my Wissahickon buddies then that I sort of could play sports with, do that. And it just, that's how it went. Do you think if you, and this is such a ridiculous, it's just more of a benefit of it's so much further or so much later in the, in, you know, it's yeah. in the future. Do you think looking back, if you had stayed, it was a Hicken and knowing the relationships that you had with people and, and knowing that as soon as LaSalle was out, you were then moving over for socially to hang out with Hicken people. Do you think it would have been big enough and you would have been able to get over every not get over, but get get. I don't know what the right term would be, but be able to, to get along and move past the middle school history and exist in yeah. the high school. Do you think you would have been able to get through that? Yeah, I think. And I, I, it's funny that you say it's like a, a weird question. Like I have thought about that. It's not that fair, right? Because it's well, no. I think for sure, if I meet those guys going from seventh to eighth grade, I stay at Wasikin. Yeah. And I, I end up because, and a bunch of them have said to me after the fact, they're like, "Yo, we didn't know you got because they were like George Barry, Woodland, Chris Woodland were all uh, two years older than us, right. and like." Kevin Knable, Eric Payne, um, Chris those Stout. guys, Stout, good old Stout, uh, were just like a year, Steve Pelleggi, like, and they, a few of them have said to me, like, if we knew that was happening, we would have like, you know, they would have been like my connector to Wissick and, mm-hmm. and sort of, and that's what happened when I was in high school. They, they became like my connector. Um, and I think they would have like, I mean, I don't want to be dramatic like a movie, like, but they said they're like, we would have stood up for you or like said, Hey, like, don't, don't beat this kid up. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, but you know, that's just, that's just the way it went. And for whatever reason, that's the way my story needed to be written. Um, but I think again, it is good because I got that perspective for now when I coach these youths, 
I could sort of take myself back there and remember and, and be like, I don't want to use the term role model, but be somebody that they can maybe look up to and be like, oh, this guy played college lacrosse, this and that. Like, if I got to talk to somebody, I could talk to Coach Chris. And I think that's invaluable. So if I needed to go through a couple of rough years to help a kid out nowadays, like that, we all go through stuff in life, you know. Coming from Wissahickon where it's co-ed and then moving to boys only in, in LaSalle, um, I often talk about kind of the the level of sexuality in Wissahickon was always way more advanced uh, than I was ready for. I felt like people were already like dating in, in sixth, seventh grade. You were always hearing rumors, stories. Um, but now you're going to a school in ninth grade where it's all boys. What's that mm-hmm. transition like as a kid that's going through puberty and all that? Like, mm-hmm. where, where did you stand prior to Wizzahickon or when you're in Wizzahickon? Do you feel like you were in line with those guys? Were you dating? Um, and then what's that like when you make the move and you now you're not going to school with any girls? Yeah, um, this sort of reminds me that when you interviewed Gebert and he was like, I got pushed in the bathroom and I didn't know what to do. Like, you know, I sort of, when I was listening to that, I had a laugh. Um, I wanted to be in line with the girls and I wanted to be like, hey, like, let's, you know, let's date or whatever you think you're going to do in, in seventh grade. Um, <laughs> and I think being the new guy that I did get an uh, interest from some girls but not having any game, which I don't think I really have a lot of slick game now. More like I just go with like the honest, like, hey, I'm Chris. I like you. Here's a mixtape. It's 2021, Chris. The mixtapes are out. Still mm-hmm. still working it. But uh, the one nice thing about LaSalle was that you didn't have to worry about the girl aspect. It could just be, hey, let's play. At, at our free periods, we didn't have like study hall. So you could go get a second lunch. Or you could go play volleyball in the pit or do your homework. A lot of times I would just do my homework. So when I got home, I could just play hockey because that's really what, mm-hmm. you know, I was into unknowingly. Uh, side note, that's when pagers came out. And right. I think Stout mentioned this in his interview or whatever uh, his time talking to you. The pager guy, everybody got their CDs or pagers or cell phones from Dustin back in the day. Yeah. Again, much better time. You didn't have to go to the empire of Apple, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I wish I would have had a flip phone. That's one of my major regrets. <laughs> I never had a flip phone. So, or like you change the, the Nokia face plates out, you know, right. to match your outfit. Mm-hmm. Kevin and I used to change our beeper cases to like, mm. yo, give me the red front. You take the black back. Like, well, for you then, what was your what was your high school? I mean, you mentioned that that was where your drinking career kind of started. Was yeah. That, what was that? What was that world? Was that friends in school? Was that uh, was a hidden <sighs> crowd? Was that others? Yeah. Other influences. Well, it was more so like uh, just my buddies. I was hanging out with hidden guys then, so it would just be like, "Hey, where can we steal a little?" Because again, you couldn't get. You couldn't walk into the beer store and buy unless you went down to the end of 309. Right, exactly. At the deli in Sheltonham, yes. (laughs) Right. Um, But it was like, what can you get? And then just trying to, for me, I mean, I've been, I drank from the age of 16 to 28 and then I got sober. So for me, it was a little bit different than, 
it sort of started out like normal high school drinking and this and that. And then it just changed into different things for me. So that's sort of my story and how it, it's evolved. But it was just, it was, it was buddies and it was that, I'm sure a lot of us have done it just, oh, I, I took some liquor from my dad's cabinet. I refilled it with some water. I could imagine if I was, you know, whatever, a normal dad drinking or whatever, and then I go to drink my vodka and it's like, hmm, this tastes real diluted. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for stealing my liquor and putting a, you know, Sprite in there. Mm. But I think we've all been that way. Like, what, what was your first, like, where were you back then? Were you? picking up anything with friends or never none of my friends drank and mm-hmm. um a lot of my my friends the parents were all very tight so we couldn't mm. really go from one to the other none of them were lax in that way that if they if if one of them got caught all parents would be aware and be on high alert so that just was mm. never a thing first time i ever drank was uh really like had drinks to drink i think my uncle gave me a beer once when i was like 15 16 mm. didn't like it but i wasn't like a yeah i had like a quarter of it uh first time i really like drank was senior year in high school uh buddy brought like a bottle of whiskey over hanging out but like we had always hung out we just usually had wings whatever like we never um wasn't like it was like a normal thing we did it once. I don't even knew. I didn't even know if I was like drunk. I was like, eh, I don't mm-hmm. know. And like never didn't even try. I drank at senior week. I had like mm-hmm. a, I had some beers, um, but I didn't even recognize like, again, I didn't know if it was working. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, right. you hear that with weed, right? I don't even know if I got high the first <laughs> time. That's how I felt yeah. like the first couple of times I was drinking. I was like, it tastes like shit. I, I don't like yeah. this. It wasn't until um, college when I would. I would start making mixed drinks, you know, oh, soda, yeah. with soda that I was like, <laughs> okay, now I like this. Okay, I, had, I could do this. <laughs> yeah, I've had two or three. You, you you level out how much you're putting in. Like I'm getting it now. This is okay. So yeah. it took it took a it took probably till I was like 19, 20 for me to actually like try try drinking. Yeah, yeah. I was a um, slow I, bloomer, I guess. Yeah, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you bring up like hanging out at friends' houses. Like it seems like every friend group had that one friend's house that was like the spot like you would go to. I remember going to Kev's house. Like we would always be either in the basement, not in the basement, like in the garage or like out back. And that was like the, the play. Like he had a hot tub. So it was always like, Oh, it's going like, I'm sure that hot tub, the pH level was so unbalanced. Cause we would just jump in like cologne on and like mm. <laughs> just from playing hockey, like just jump in like, Oh, we're in the hot tub. Like, um, I know your first job was Wawa, right? McDonald's. McDonald's uh, uh, when I was 15. And then when I turned 16, I moved over to Wawa. Uh, gotcha. I had the Wawa hoagie tie to wear to high school because uh, that nick- nickname. Yes, that nickname was my grandfather's in World War II. Get out. Was my father's when he swam in college. My brother's and mine all four legitimate Every, reasons all called you hoagie they, they you were, you're all called hoagie yep i still got the flyers jersey with the name on the back wow. from when we used to play up at the park yep so that's been i haven't been called that in several years and now when people yell it out when i see my old friends and there's a lot of people look up like what, what i was like oh, i want a hoagie eating contest once <laughs> sometimes they don't need to know the real story why why ruin a good story with facts 
what was uh what was did you work in high school yes my first job and i don't know which one came first i it was either working at buckman ski shop or uh lids in the yeah. montgomeryville mall yep. lids yes mm-hmm. wow. yes that's yes. crazy um i was a big so another thing i did as a family was ski i started skiing when i was two years old and started snowboarding when i was 14 so like growing up that was a real big thing i think that's what led me to the job at buckman's and i I remember you know running skis and this and that like it just takes you back to to that first job and you know you made like 60 bucks and you're like where did the other 30 go and they're like oh that's taxes and i'm like oh cool like so learning all those life lessons early on was was something else you know crazy but yeah what did your uh where'd your money go for what did you use your money for as a kid what did i use my money for i'm sure it was food yeah that's something you know like the you know the i i'm sure it was chick-fil-a food or palermo's pizza or if i saved up for like I know I had one pair of Jordans growing up and maybe it was, it was like that or it was going to uh, rainbow records. Oh. If we could get a ride over to rainbow records to buy, to buy some of that. Um, but yeah, it was normally like uh, I was very fortunate that a lot of times my parents would help me out with things, but they would always say like, keep your money. And like, I would buy, I remember buying a 30 inch TV back in the day that was big with the vcr combo in it yeah, and yeah. we were trying to get it up to my bedroom before my dad got home my mom and i and we're hiking it up there and it's just crazy how far technology has come because i remember going to freshman year of college and we had to rent a u-haul because the computers were you know a three by three box just for the monitor mm. and the tower and all this stuff the bed i had to have a loft and now it's like these kids show up with like an ipad it's like shoot Mm-hmm. You know, right. and I feel extremely old saying that. And when I say to them that my freshman year of college, the second week was the attacks on the World Trade Center, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I wasn't born yet when that happened." I'm like, "Cool, I feel like <laughs> yeah. a dinosaur now." You know, while you're in, I mean, did you did you make connections? You talk about like the people in at Wizahickon, but did you have connections at LaSalle? Did you feel like I mean, there were. I know like Adam Commissack went to LaSalle, Joey mm-hmm. Blake went to LaSalle from Wizahickon. Yeah. Did, did you make, was there any camaraderie with Wizahickon people? Were you able to make any connections with other people? What was your social life like within the school? Yeah, I made <clears throat> some connections. Um, Ryan Parfit went there. Right. Yeah, so uh, we spent some time hanging out. Uh, a couple other guys that, you know, we were just topical friends like that I did the ski club with. Um went on some trips there, but it wasn't like, Oh, you went to Wissahickon. Oh, now we're going to be friends. Cause I felt like leaving Wissahickon was just like, I never thought that I would have such lifelong friends from Wissahickon. And that's why I always say without certainty, if I could go back and knowing that I would get along with all those guys, like I would have stayed in Wissahickon and it would be funny to see how my life would have been different in some ways. Um, so yeah, it's real, real interesting to think about, you know, what could have been, but it just, it wasn't a connector. It just was a time 
how do you think it would have been different if you were to guess? Who knows? I, I mean, I still think I would have gotten to the same college. I don't think that would have changed it. Um, I think your high school education is somewhat of what you make it. You know, I don't know. I'm not comparing teachers from LaSalle to Wissahickon. I know something that would have been different. Um, I've really learned my time management skills at LaSalle because there was no bells at all in the school. You just have to, if you're on a free period and you need to get to your next class by 1020, you better look at your watch and get there on time. Um, so I think that would have been different. I, I was never one to really cave to peer pressure, but I think certain situations I may have been more inclined to cut class with a friend if I went to Wissahickon or, you know, hey, let's do this. And who knows if I would have met a girl back then in just high school, but how that would have changed because, again, there was no connection. It was all the girls went to the Mount or Gwinnett that we had, like, interactions with. Um, but it, it's, a, it's an interesting thing to think about how life could have been different. Uh, you know, if you picked one way or the other. Did you have a, a favorite class at LaSalle? <sighs> favorite class. I always think about this, and I feel like a really bad student saying this, but I don't know what I excel at. Like, I feel like I'm a personable person, and I'm really caring. And if I could go back and change my college career, I would have went into special or early education. Um so I don't know how that translates because I never really liked reading books. I never was really great at math. And we've already gone over how I like science and like history was sort of just in the past. So I'll just cop out with Jim <laughs> with his ed. Um, home ec. We, there was a conversation on this podcast about home ec before mm -hmm. where one semester was sewing. Right. Yeah. My uh, it bag. Was split, it was split between sewing and uh, cooking for the market. Yes. Period. Yeah. Yes. Uh, my bag was supposed to have a drawstring. There was no drawstring. Like, I don't know what I, I excel at. I guess it's being personable and being witty, maybe. But they didn't have classes for them. So I, I looked at – I really tried to find old photos. I ripped my parents' house apart because I keep a lot of the stuff, and I know it's there. I just couldn't find it. But I found my old high school, like, report cards that my mom had, like, just – you know, collecting dust somewhere. Yeah. And I'm like, hmm, that was a solid semester of C, D, C, D, oh, a B. And then around junior year, for whatever reason, I don't know if I started to apply myself or if I had professors that, that really spoke to me. Um, that's when I got into marketing, which I went to college for. Um, even though I'm not in that field now, I really do like that field. Uh, and I started to get, you know, the 3.0 average and this and that. But it was never like, oh, my God, I love science. Like, you know, just let's get through. What does that mean that you got into marketing? So uh, there was, a, I think it was my junior year, there was a marketing class that you could take. And I took that. And I just, I always liked the idea, like, driving down the city and see all the billboards. And this was before, obviously, any digital marketing or anything. That was a, was a thing. Um, but I always liked the idea of, like, getting somebody interested in, in a product or in a service, but never one to be the guy that's like, Hey, sign on the dotted line here. Let's, let's, uh, let's get your money. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like I, like you're taking advantage of somebody. I want to make your day better 
by you buying this product because you need it. So that's why when I could do marketing, it seemed like real interesting. And I remember I didn't know what I was going to be driving up to college in that U-Haul with my dad. And I said, dad, like, what should I major? And, and he's like, well, why don't you try business or like administration or marketing? And that's how I got into that. And, uh, that's so interesting. That's, you know, you, you hear about the different like sports that the private school has available, but then you hear about, Oh wow. Marketing. Like that's not a thing. I don't think that we had in public school or was at least, um, something so diverse of a a class. Yeah. That's, that's something uh, I like to, like I said, I talked to my Wissahickon friends and they would joke with me because I'd be like, oh, like when we're going to formals, like, oh, you don't know how to tie a tie? Let me show you. Like, and they're like, oh, well, thanks, LaSalle, you know, yeah. and yeah, I don't know. I A lot of those guys taught me about hip hop, which I listen to still to this day, which some of those guys at LaSalle didn't really know about. So yeah, it doesn't know- hurt having a diverse group of friends. Yeah, you know, not for nothing, though, when I tell talk to other people about this podcast or just my time in high school and, and you know, one mm-hmm. of the things that often will come out about my experience is the fact that I took Japanese and they go, you had Japanese? And I go, oh, yeah, we had like four, you know, we had Spanish and, and Japanese and German and French and Latin. I guess that's five, right? And they go, you had Japanese and Latin? Like, you know, from us, from a, a public school, we weren't too shabby in our in our offerings, mm-hmm. but uh, marketing is just so micro uh, mm-hmm. of us. You know, in my mind, I just, I just remember, Oh, Joey Blake went for hockey. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it was a hick and didn't have an ice rink. You know, we, yeah. we didn't have anything like that. So it, it's funny. It's just interesting. This is the first time I've heard about the academic uh, electives that were available that were just so out there. I, it makes me curious as to what, you know, I could have fallen into in that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I remember those, you talk about sports, like always competing for like the Friday night football, the championship, the the Philadelphia Catholic league championship there Mm -hmm. and the rivalries with St. Joe's prep and the ice hockey team winning state and this and that. And then I got my boys, Eric Payne, Stout, Pelleggi, Johnny Brosnan, all holding down the Owen 17 Wissick and Trojans, like at the games that, you know, and it's crazy what kids have to go through now with sports. Like you watch these shows where we just played like, yeah. I don't know. You just played like you well, win, big, you lose it's big money. You know, it's cr- they're recruiting kids for high school yeah. now. Well, that was always the joke. Like about, I remember upper Dublin, like just had these monsters on the basketball team that were dunking. Mm-hmm. And we're just like, where are they? They're bringing these kids down three Oh nine. They don't even live near here. That's what we, everyone mm-hmm. would always scream. And, um, you know, and I think in some cases that might have been true, but um, I think sports were always pretty high profile. I just think with everything, um, everything gets so much more attention nowadays and um, every, yeah. the news is so immediate now. It's everything is just so much more dramatic. Yeah. And I think like sports science has come into the conversation more where before it was just like, all right, eat some eggs, run a couple miles right. in the summer. Great and And now it's like, we're paying big money for you. There's one kid that's being flown from this area to California every weekend and flown back to get better at football. It's just like, I don't know. And I sound like an old timer saying all this, but it's like, that never was a, you might've went from like, if you lived in Ambler, if you went to like Montgomeryville to get training, that was like, Whoa, you're getting special training. (laughs) 
But... Well, no, I, th I think there's, you know, because there's so much more money in all these things, you know, a lot of these programs mm -hmm. have sponsors and, and, you know, McDonald's, you know, holding camps mm -hmm. and, and players holding summer camps. And uh, mm -hmm. it's just a way to keep, you know, to kind of separate the, I don't want the weak from the strong. I don't know, but mm -hmm. it, it, it's, it's incredible the business that's involved in getting a hold of young athletes at such a a naive age. Right. And, and the parents and, just see like, this could be a way to college. And this could roping, be a way roping the parents in at that point, you know, that there's, I, that's my the amazing thing. You know, I thought I, I knew sports and, and basketball, especially. And I watched this podcast, um, uh, knuckleheads with mm -hmm. Quentin Richardson and, um, uh, Darius Miles, and they're often talking about, you know, the different schools that they all went to, and they go, oh, I went to so-and-so high school, and they're like, yep, because they know it, because there's like 20 really, really big high school programs that kids go to, mm -hmm. because, and they move to go to these schools, and, and you'll hear about, oh, these like five guys went to the same high school, and you go, how does that even happen? Because, right. <laughs> you know, it's because it's all, they're all kind of uh, recruited at 13 14 years old they're all given you know gear and and they're sponsored by nike and it, you know what i mean they're they're they haven't had prom yet right what let's let's flash back to to something a little less a little more fun yeah. what was the worst fad or like i don't know how to say it, like worst trend fashion wise that you took part of in high school or college uh Middle school or high school? Oh, the fad. I think that I I'm not a big fad guy, right? It was never mm -hmm. a logos whatever thing. I didn't know much about fashion, and my parents, I I mainly like wore whatever I was given. But there mm -hmm. was a point where I used to get teased all the time about my jeans because I just wore whatever, and my jeans were tight as fuck, right? <laughs> And so I started, I remember my mom took me to buy um, baggy jeans and baggy shorts because eighth mm. grade was like the baggy era was coming out and the pants mm -hmm. down your ass and the boxer shorts. And, and I bought like a, a Paco jeans and I still wear, mm. <laughs> I still have these jean shorts that I, I only wear mm -hmm. them to festivals. Um, okay. because, but I somehow they still they still fit. But that's how big they were. <laughs> that they fit me now as a grown man with. Oh, yeah, I get, yeah, I got some of those. <laughs> yeah, that. But back then, when I was you know probably ten inches smaller, uh, mm -hmm. at, at twelve, thirteen years old, they were like all the way down. And I often <laughs> didn't really wear a belt because as a kid you don't wear belts, and yeah. you wanted to like pull them up. And I just remember like so being so embarrassed that I knew my ass was hanging and I couldn't even control it, but thinking that's what we're supposed to be doing. This is, everyone's going to think I'm so cool. Yeah. That's you? funny. One, one that sticks out for me is when I, again, when I got to West Hicken, uh, I showed up after wearing uniforms my whole life and I knew everybody had boots like Timberland boots, All right. those brown boots. So I go home and my mom and aunt, I think, were there. And I'm like, I'm like, Mom, everybody at school has these brown boots, and I need a pair of brown boots. So my aunt took me out, or I don't know how it actually transpired, but my I know my aunt bought them for me. They were like, back then, they were like 50 or $60 or something. They were uh, filas. Oh, yeah? And I got to school, and everybody's like, 
you can't wear those. They're not, what are you doing? Like, and I was like mortified. I got home. I put them in my closet. My mom's like, where are those boots at? I'm like, mom, I can't wear them again. I'll wear them to do yard work. I'm not wearing, she's like, your aunt bought you this. I was like, I was like, evidently I can't wear them. Everybody's making fun of me. But, uh, the real one that I had in mind was I dyed my hair. I used to put the little sun in for the tips or whatever. Right. But when Eminem came out, everybody was dying their hair. So Kevin was doing his uh, with his girlfriend at the time. And she said, do you want to do yours? I was like, yeah, just straight blonde. I don't want it strawberry blonde. Like you have yours. Like she goes, yeah, it's, it's just blonde. Put it in afterwards. I look at the box, strawberry blonde. I'm like I can't have strawberry blonde hair. We dyed it again. Still a little strawberry blonde. The next day, I dyed my hair three times within 24 hours. I couldn't touch my hair. It was so burnt. I was 18 years old. My come home and my mother's like, and my dad, who never says anything, he goes to my mom, don't worry about it. It's just hair. It'll grow back. Like, it's fine. Like, but I look back on those pictures and uh, there's some pictures of Eric and I at the after prom uh, and we have a, a tape of us singing Ice Ice Baby and me with this bright white bleach blonde hair. And I think that was worth one of the best fads. I think everyone on the face of the earth was was a starter jackets. Oh, yeah. So good that they brought it back now. And these kids think they're doing something mm-hmm. with the Charlotte Hornets jackets and like this and that. Like you had girls wearing jackets of the teams. They didn't know if it was football, NBA, anything. It was all, I like the color. And yeah. now these kids think they're doing something, but that started in the 80s. Yeah, the starter jackets and the trapper keepers of the team. Yes, yes, good trapper keeper. And it seemed like everybody had a Jansport or an LL Bean backpack. Mm-hmm. They were yeah. like the two options. Yeah, yeah, everyone, yeah, I was a Jansporter. <laughs> yeah. Or like who, when you're going to class and like you always have that one buddy that would never do his homework. And he's like, yo, let me get a pencil. Like, what are you going to do with this pencil? You're not going to take notes while you're there. Just, just want to look good. Yeah, just I want to make sure I don't fail this class. If I take a pencil, the teacher said they'd pass me. Well, that's not bad. Not bad. What was your uh, What was your college selection process like? What's the, What's the help process? Was there Was there help from LaSalle? Was there guidance um, for you outside of like your dad? You know, getting yeah. to the point where you're going, you're asking him, what should your major be before you get yeah. there? Where are you applying and, and who's helping you yeah. that out? So for me, I knew that I was a type of person that excelled with like one-on-one communication with professors. Like I knew if I went to the Penn States of the world, I would just be lost. So I went to all like mid-level schools. I wanted to go away but not so far that I couldn't get home if need be so I applied to like um, Moravian Albright Millersville uh, Elizabethtown where I ended up going uh, it's funny my father went to Elizabethtown but he never once suggested me to go there or pressured me I just had been going there since I was a child for homecomings and just legitimately felt comfortable there I remember touring Rutgers and five minutes into the tour, I said to my dad, I'm like, we can leave because this is way too big mm. for me, you know. And uh, with my drinking, I think if I would have went to those bigger schools, in some ways, I think I would have gotten in more trouble 
it would have been more of an issue where we were mostly like growing up we were like house parties uh i feel like we were at brandon mcquade's a lot and like those sort of house parties then college was like dorm room parties um so i would visit penn state and was like wait a minute you just go to this place and they just give you a cup and you fill it with beer like you don't need to pay find a way to sneak it in it just was like frat row like i know i would have probably would have failed out or had more trouble there so but that was my selection it just was i knew i had to be in a school that was smaller um i remember a guy that i went to high school with uh was going to elizabethtown too but it wasn't like any Wissahickon connections. I do think a lot of people that went to my college thought that about five to seven guys that did graduate from Wissahickon High School did go to our college because they were there every weekend. They would drive up and party, and so, so much so that campus security got to know their cars because they had rims on them, and you know they would show up in, in a, quite a scene in this little farming town in central Pennsylvania. But yeah, we always joke about that. I'm like, well, you guys didn't get a degree from Elizabethtown, but you spent enough time up there. And then mm. I did spend a, a couple nights at Thaddeus Stevens Tech, uh, tech school, Brian Finnegan, Eric Payne, and Chris Stout, those guys that all went there, uh, got a couple rides back up to the area with them. You know, they were a wild bunch up there. So, yeah. Uh, and then your transition in the, in the college how does that so i i mean so i talked to when i talked to jason herb he talked mm-hmm. about you know his drinking and yeah. it always he said you know he thought similar to you kind of started with friends in school in, in high school middle school high school whatever mm-hmm. um and he felt that at that age he just didn't know um that that he was doing it differently than and than everyone else but it was when he was in college that everything for him kind of um bottomed out and he never finished yeah. Um, how, how do you handle your, your world with that in college? Yeah. So luckily I had a a healthy dose of fear in my life. And that's something that I still try to address to this day is like, uh, I call it faith over fear and a fear of not graduating college and being a drop, like a, a failure was something. So like when I wasn't drinking, it was like, let me get my homework done and I was always like the party drinker, like I'll be out on the scene and there'll be this and that. And I'll be, I think I'm being funny. And like, that's how I feel like I'm associating with my peers and fitting in. And it was, I sort of laughed when you said that you would not know if the drink was working for you. For me, I was always, you know, some people are like, oh, I'm gonna have this scotch and I'll sip it because I know it'll put me on my ass if I drink, like chug it for me. I would have like one drink and then be like, Oh, I'm fine. And then have like three more real quick. And then before I know it, I would be drunk. And then I would just be causing a scene, you know, being, I thought witty and funny, but it really just wasn't. And that's how I know. I thought I was just the same. My drinking issues started when I was like 26, 25, 28 in that area. Uh, because, I still talked it away like, oh, high school, we're just, you know, in the woods catching a beer. It's just like what you see. Then in the movies uh, in college, like the animal houses and the old schools of the world were like, this is what we do. This is what I heard my dad did in college. Like people, you know, have big parties. But then when I got out of college and like everybody was starting families or at least like getting into their career path. And for me, it was like, I'm just out here getting into trouble. 
you know, and, and not moving forward. And luckily I, I got my, got sober. Um, so yeah. And that I always say to people, like, I'll talk as much or as little about getting sober and like all that as people want to talk about, because sometimes it makes some people feel uneasy. And when people get to know me or if they knew me back when I was drinking, they know that this is a better version of me for all parties involved. So, so what's your college um, while you're in college? What are you thinking you are going to do? I mean, you're in the marketing world, you said, mm -hmm. you, but you didn't end up in marketing. No. What? Uh, so when I'm in college, I started playing lacrosse. I uh, tore my ACL, my MCL, ruptured my meniscus oh. and cracked my kneecap playing freshman year lacrosse. Ended up in a wheelchair. Um, so for me, I guess I never really had a lot of foresight. Like I was dealing with that freshman year. Uh, really had the mindset of coming back and playing June or sophomore year, came back, played some, but just for medical advice, it was just like, don't, you know, there's bone on bone is basically what my knee is. Wow. So as far as like my career path, as far as like job went, I never really put much thought into it. And I regret that to this day that I didn't do internships and this, I was just like, yo, where are we partying at this weekend? You're talking about 30 years old. I'm worried about 30 minutes from now. So I didn't really put much stock into it. Um, I graduated or actually it was senior year of college and I got dumped by a girl partly because of my drinking. Um, and my mom's like, you need to get out of the house. So I started working at Monco at the bookstore. And that's how I got into this bookstore gig. I just went, started as a stock boy, uh, uh, moved to Ohio State, took a final class there, graduated with my degree from Elizabethtown. And it was September of 2005. And I said, it's the first time in my life I don't have school to go back to. What am I going to do with my life? And I called up the bookstore again, started working as a part-time stock boy, and here I am 20 years later, 15, 16 years later, and I've lived, I've worked at Stanford, I've worked at Villanova, Jefferson, St. Joe's, uh, Washington, D.C. And it's just crazy how that path sort of just all because I got dumped by a girl and I had to get out of the house and my mom would have thrown me on my head from being so rammy and broken hearted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How so. did you, how, what's the learning process of that to where you, you feel like, oh, this could be my job for, for, because I'm sure, you, like you said, you just had to get out of the house. You had to do something. Yeah. You're not thinking at 24 or whatever, you're not thinking this is a career path. What yeah. happened? Where does, where do you start feeling like this could be for a while? I had my first manager take a chance on me and he said, listen, this guy I got here that's been a hard worker and was a temp and now he's a running shipping and receiving area for us. Uh, we have an opening as the textbook manager and he's got his college degree and everything. I want to take a shot on him. So he, this guy gave me a shot and I did really well and there was opportunities and I just rode the wave and said, I just kept saying, yes, you know, I would show up, work hard. And they said, well, this store's now open and do you want to go in the training program? Sure. Well, you got to go to California for that. All right, let's go. You know, um, so it just just sort of fell into it. And here we are. 
uh, I mean, it's a good, it's a good job, but it's not like, I wish I would have a job. Like I talked to some people that are like, my life work was to be a nurse or to, you know, be an accountant and this and that for me, it's like, I enjoy my job because I'm personable. It's, it's a specialty sect of retail that has its own, it's, it's not a lot of like, um, black Friday and, and all that stuff. It has its own, you know, normally like niche community that's coming into your store. Um, especially through this pandemic, it's been crazy working in retail. Um, but so I sort of just enjoyed it and I enjoy the people I work with and enjoy my favorite time of the year is when we go from summertime to fall classes and you see that campus start to take life again when the students come back and that sort of thing. So that's what's what's most enjoyable for me. Um, yeah. I got to tell you that, that I do that. It's got to be a heck of a benefit. Someone asked me like, oh, don't you love like fall? Don't you feel like it's fall? And I said, you know, once I left school. I don't feel those same feelings like I used to get that I loved with like, oh, the, you know, the end, the, the, the end of spring because you know that, you know, things are getting out and like that real official mm -hmm. start of summer or the end of summer and like the start of fall. And uh, it, for me, it's like I'm waiting for a hoodie. I'm waiting for like the hoodies <laughs> to come out. That's when I feel like things are changing. There's no rush mm -hmm. for a Christmas break or that, or that right. just like those five days that you might get between Thanksgiving, you're lucky enough that right. you, like you just said, like you're getting those feels still. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, and it's funny that you said it. Cause a lot of people say to me, they're like, when they're selling their books back to me, they'll be like, Oh, have a good summer. I'm like, it's just a warm working season. Like, <laughs> and, and like, uh, or people will be like, Oh, well, you must not work in the summer. I'm like, no, like, how do you think those books get there in the fall? And how do you think like, all those kids that are at summer camp, like where they get their sweatshirts at all year round, like that sort of thing. Or when I would go on blind dates or like, I guess the, those dating apps um, yeah. and people would be like, you work at the bookstore. I'm like, Whoa, it's like I play for the Yankees or like work for the evil empire. I'm like, listen, it's not me that sets the prices. It's the publishers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the one thing. Uh, yeah. I don't know how people like, I, well, I know how people do this, but like the dating apps are just, I feel, I feel everybody's pain that's single with me out here. Uh, yeah. You can't meet anybody. Everybody says, oh, you'll meet your wife at the grocery store. You'll meet her on the train. Mm -mm. And especially try to go up to somebody wearing a mask now. Hey, how you doing? Whoa, whoa. You got the COVID? <laughs> so... Yeah, yeah, I mean, pandemic aside, where are you at with like, you know, being uh, being single? We're, we're hitting our... We're hitting our, our big numbers here age-wise. Hitting our stride. And yeah. Hitting our you know, stride. A lot of our friends, like you mentioned, like when you're growing up and you are you get out of college and people are getting married and having kids in the same boat. I talked to Eric Coxon about the the same mm -hmm. thing, you know, just kind of this this almost having to feel comfortable, being comfortable with yourself. It's a weird thing, but like being okay with the decision that you made so that you don't force the wrong decision, I guess. It's, mm -hmm. it's kind of how he did it that was has stuck with me for two years now of just mm -hmm. trying to be okay with the things that I'm doing. Where are you at with, yeah. with that? Yeah. Um, so for me, like I've for the longest time tried to make it work with the apps and like the pressing and the trying to make it happen. And I think that's the worst, like we're not making a cake here. I think that's the worst way to, to meet someone and to start a relationship. So as cheesy as it sounds like I've just embraced 
being single or try to embrace it. And like, I've taken up photography and golf and, uh, I am more than blessed with, I call them a lot of nieces and nephews that aren't blood related. I have about four godchildren, and mm. it's nice. I take for granted that I can watch a football game till 1130 at night and just work on my putting while I'm here. But I also have these kids that I can like timeshare, I call it. Like, hey, let's go play for a little bit. Oh, it's bedtime. Here <laughs> you go, back. buddy. Like, we're, oh, your kids are freaking out now. I got to go. Like, um, I think when you meet the right person, there's a level of compromise that you want to make. I always thought it was funny in like high school or middle school or even afterwards when I'm like, oh, I got to go hang out with my girlfriend. Like, to me, it's like I would want to be with somebody that I would want to hang out with, but he's like, no, nah, I got to put the time in just so X, Y, or Z. It's, but it's, mm. and it's no judgment on other people, but it's just, it's just funny. Like, and that's why everybody's like, like, are you going to like, get married? I'm like, well, I'm trying here, but I'd rather be single than be with the wrong person, yeah. you know? And, and it's not a bad life. Like I said, I got to golf this morning and, and do this and that. It's just, I mean, we'll take it. It's funny you said that. I never, I don't know if I ever made that correlation, but I definitely hit that moment like three, four years ago. Eh, probably like COVID shrinks my time frame, probably six years yeah. ago, where right. I definitely, you know, I'm, I'm in my 30s and I start thinking about the things that I do. And so much of my social aspect was, was centered around going on dates to where, mm -hmm. you know, and then, and then I go to work and I started thinking, it's like, where there were all these things I, I used to be into as a kid or, as a, as a teenager in my twenties. And I feel like I don't have like hobbies, like real hobby hobbies that I do outside of just the social world. And you mentioned right. photography. I started messing with photography a lot more and just trying to do, you know, doing these podcasts and just trying to do other things that are not just work and just going on dates to like mm -hmm. complete, to feel like I'm a complete person. One, because I felt like I needed to be able to offer more in dating, but two, mm -hmm. I needed other things to find joy besides finding the one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like growing up, I my parents have been the best role models for um, being in a relationship. Uh, they are happily married and still go on dates 43 mm -hmm. years into marriage. My dad still opens the door for my mom. Like, so I get a lot of my like – I felt like I needed to be married and have kids and have a single family home to be successful. I guess if we want to get like, an, like analyze this, but now I'm realizing like I have a lot to offer my friends and other people by just being myself. And there's no formula for success. It's, it's, it's a feeling. Uh, some people put a dollar amount associated with it. Some people put degrees on it. Some people have this, it's just, it's more of an internal thing for me. Like, and I have to accept that success, you know, just like I would give to someone else and, and enjoy it. But yeah, definitely taking up hobbies. When I started traveling alone really taught me a lot about myself. Um, I was supposed to take a trip with a, with a girlfriend back in 2015 and she dumped me right after we made the trip. And I was like, should I go? Shouldn't I go? And I'm like, fuck it. It's booked. And I went, had the best time in my life. And every year since then, I try to take one trip alone mm. somewhere. And when you tell people you're traveling alone, you would think 
you were telling me you have the launch codes to nuclear weapons. They're like, so wait, you're going to dinner? Who are you meeting? I'm like, um, now you got to obviously you can't yell this because it's not the safest thing to tell people. <laughs> but like, it's just like, yeah, I'm traveling alone. Like, oh, okay, well, I've had people invite me to have dinner with them. Like this and that. And there's sometimes where I'll take them up on it. And I've made lifelong friends from just sitting down having a com- communication with a complete stranger. But there's other times where I'm like, no, I'm fine. They're like, are you sure? Like, you don't want to come? Like, no, I'm, I'm just going to have dinner. Like, I'm going to this concert later and then I'm going to go see a game tomorrow. Like, wow, that's amazing. It's like, it's like when people won't get on the elevator with you when it's going down because they're going up. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, the thing's going to go back up shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, again, it's like traveling alone. Well, yeah, if I waited till I had a wife to travel or a girlfriend, I might never get to see whatever, whatever, you know, maybe I can inspire somebody else to try to travel a little bit. No, that's, know. that is exactly it. Not holding up your life for, because the re- the relationship can't be the, the end all be all of, of progression, you know, at a right. certain point. It took me yeah. a long time to realize that. Yeah. Cause you watch TV and all you see is like couples together. And, and now there's been diversity within you know, what the couple looks like on TV or what the the family dynamic is on TV. Uh, and I guess maybe there's shows out there where there's like people living good life single, but it's like, it's not what you normally see on TV and, and in society. You know, again, you look on Instagram, you're like, oh, this is our daughter's first birthday party. It's like, oh, where's my daughter? Well, I don't know. My daughter might be hitting an 85 on a golf course. Like, I don't know, like, <laughs> you know, but I love when I go over to my friend's house and their kids are like, and of course it's like, what sugar do you want? Sure. You could stay up later. Okay. Yeah. Let's go for a walk and you could ride the dog. Oh, <laughs> you're having a meltdown because you had too much sugar. Sorry. Uncle H has to go. <laughs> Uncle H has made a mistake here, <laughs> but, uh, I think you can impact people's lives in, in that way. And, uh, I think again, what you've done with this podcast, and again, you should be doing voiceover work. You, when I first put it the pie, I was like, I was like, damn, that is a voice. That is a voice made for radio. Um, Thanks, man. But yeah, no doubt. And I think I wouldn't be the person I am without going to Wissac. And um, and there's a lot of good contacts I made by not just even without going to the high school and guys that I see. And it seems like I've known him for five years. Like you said, COVID has shrunk your years down. I look at some of these guys and I can't believe I've known him for 20 years, 24 years. It's like, wait, we're only what, like 31 years old? Like we're only 28, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, it's just it's just crazy how that this all has come full circle. Yeah. So um yeah. if if you could have given yourself if you could give yourself advice from then, maybe right mm-hmm. before you left for, for LaSalle, eighth grade hoagie, mm-hmm. what what do you think it, it would have been it would be? Uh, don't care as much what they think. Like, and they're not all perfect. Yeah. The jock that can throw for 300 yards in a game, he's, his father might not tell him he did a great job that game. The girl that looks like a bombshell that you can't even string two words together when you walk past her in the hallway. She might just want somebody to tell her she is 
a nice pair of jeans on that day because nobody even to or just tell her she did well on that math test you know maybe but we all strive for attention in in our own ways um so yeah really just be a good person and don't care as much you know what people may or may not be thinking about you because quite honestly a lot of times people don't care about you like not that they don't care well they don't care but like they're so wrapped up in their own internal monologue yeah they're not like when people say hey how's your day going and when you're like oh well it's okay good so i need you to get that report done it's like you don't really care like you don't care if i'm wearing a blue hat or a black hat and for so many years i would be so caught up on that like oh was this that like you know so it doesn't matter that is yeah. the number one thing I've learned from this podcast is that nobody cared as much as I cared. I cared so much, and I thought everyone mm -hmm. else was thinking about it too. Mm -hmm. And it it's not until this, you know, until I started talking to people, and I go, "Oh my god, they never thought about it again." Uh, mm -hmm. I was, I, I wish I had known that. The only reason I thought about it is because I just assumed everyone else, you know. You do something, mm -hmm. you think oh, everyone's gonna fucking laugh at me. They're probably talking about it when they go home about what a what a dummy I was, or mm -hmm. getting in a you know shoving a kid or getting in an argument with the kid. I'm thinking, oh man, I told that kid to shut up in math class. He's probably plotting against me right now, or mm -hmm. you know, or or you just see them the next day and they look at you and you go, oh, he's probably thinking about pushing me back. And then you come to find mm -hmm. out they never. Eric Coxon said a great thing when um, when. Uh, I was talking to him about, you know, he's, his best friend was uh, Gene Smack. And Gene was yeah. someone that I, I used to always have conflicts with um, huh? in, in middle school, especially. And, you know, that carried on through high school where it was just that remnants of, oh, I know he doesn't like me, so I don't like him. And I never really had that yeah. conversation with Gene. And Eric looks right. at me and he goes, Brad, he's my best friend. Never, ever, ever <laughs> were we sitting at home. And he's like, yo, you know who's an asshole? Brad Corbett. And that mm -hmm. just hit me where it's just like, wow, that's exactly what my thought was, was that mm -hmm. people would go home and think about the shit that, again, like you said, the behind, I think about the behind the scenes, other people remember the highlights and I'm thinking they're thinking about the right. behind the scenes as like I am. Right. Well, that's the thing. Like um, one thing I think about nowadays is that you're not as important as you think you are but you're more important than you'll ever realize. And uh, that to me is like crazy where you think like, oh my God, like I pushed that kid and he fell. Like he probably is going to come in and kick my ass tomorrow. When really it's like that or the kid that you said like, hey man, it's a cool trapper keeper too. Like your impact there could have such a great impact on him. And uh, I'm not one to say like, one action can change the world, but I think like you pay it forward enough and I think somebody will hear it. And then I don't know what, what'll change because of it. But like, if I can't change the world, I can change someone's world, mm. you know? And, uh, I think that is what is best. Like what I want to be best known for is like somebody that would always like listen or be considered. And I think in the dating world that plays to the negative side because like, the texting, like, come on, like, <laughs> I like just text back. Like, I don't play any games or this or that, but I care too much. And I remember Chris Stout once saying to me back in the day, I would be like, well, this girl hasn't written me back. And I, I said to her, like, he's like, let me see what you wrote. And I said, have a nice day. He's like, why do you care what her day's like? And I'm like, 
that had a profound effect on me because it's like maybe I should like I care too much where it's like yeah. she's probably thinking about 40 different things and it's like I'm like where's this text or like did I use the wrong emoji when I texted my buddy is he like mad at me like when I told him the Eagles fucking suck like like is he like you know or that guy I cut off like did he take my license plate number down and he's gonna like come kill me like yes. it's just like yes Yes. You know, so many times I've apologized to someone for something that I said or did days before and they look at me and they go, oh, no, no, I never thought about that again. You were fine. Like, no, I'm like, oh, really? Like, I thought about that for like three or four days. <laughs> and they're like, no, like, I never thought about it again. You're fine, dude. I'm like, oh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I go back to like I'm egomaniac with an inferiority complex where it's like, look at me, look at me. Oh, wait, don't look at me. <laughs> but yeah it's it's so true uh sort of like yeah. sort of like doing a podcast where you interview other people because you don't want to talk about you but then you talk about you yeah let's see that's the way <laughs> you figured happen. me out hoagie <laughs> well my work here is done then uh, and then like this whole time i'm just like man people are gonna think this is the worst podcast because i don't know what i just talked about for an hour and a half but hopefully somebody gets a laugh out of it and uh you know yeah, that is the funny. Everyone always does think that about about themselves, but I, I always try and tell people. I say someone's going to appreciate it, and like it's mm -hmm. people can't fathom that they have something valuable to to yeah. you know of that normal conversation can just like be inspirational or informative to people, and it's like. Right everyone's got a story everyone's i mean you've got gems dude you've got some serious yeah, the backstory highlight thing like i'm gonna use that in life i hope so yeah i hope dude. so that the other one, one the other one i want people to hear is uh move a muscle change a thought so okay so for me um when i get caught up in my head and things are just like the text message or the whatever it is did I push that guy down? Is he going to come kill me? If I either as stupid as getting in my car and screaming as loud as I can, or if I just go for a walk, or if I pick up a phone and call a friend, um, something that gets me out of me. And that's why I always say like, move a muscle, change a thought. Um, that was told to me very early on in my sobriety. And it's something that I've told people and they're like, yo, like, I did that when my mom was tripping at me or I was mad about the Eagles game or like, it's just so funny how we have the power to change our thoughts. And I never believe that either, but cause like, I'll just hone in on that. Like uh, Brad didn't text me back. He thought what I said was stupid. Let me text him again. And then it's like, if you've ever seen John Favreau with swingers, it's the same thing yeah. where he like calls the girl. Like I, my friends like, yo, didn't you do that back in high school? I'm like, yeah, thanks. Let's not bring it up. Like, <laughs> I think I did it to Melissa Morgatan, sorry. Um, but like for every girl I've ever dated. Um, but yeah, it's like You're dead on. You're dead on. So many times I will obsess about work, video for clients, this podcast of things, and and it will like I I check out for I might check out of it for like two, three days sometimes because I'm just so mm -hmm. mad at myself with what I perceive it to be. And then I do something. I will just stop doing it. I'll go do something else. I'll go play mm -hmm. basketball, whatever. I'll just stop obsessing about it. And then I come back to it and I go, mm -hmm. 
oh my God, I can't believe I allowed myself to be so upset about this for days. It's really not a big deal at all. What? <laughs> and I, and then, right. then I go, I can't believe that really worked. I really tell, I go, mm -hmm. I can't believe something like that actually worked. And I try right. to remember it. It's really hard for me to, to put faith in the fact that that's what it was. But right. now the fact that you're saying that, I go, wow, that's exactly well, that's what, what I say is. to people. I'm like, take my advice. I'm not going to use it. You might as well take it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. And like coming on this podcast, like I thought about it and like, like I said, I was away and I had time to reflect on it. And I've always been told like, you tell three stories when you talk, when you tell a story about your life or whatever, like what you want to say, what you actually said. And then afterwards, what you wish you would have said, uh, those sorts of things. And, uh, I think the greatest gift that I've gotten from getting sober is a level of self-awareness. And that way with my self-awareness, I can start to understand other people and really communicate with people. Um, so I think that I hope somebody gets something from this. If one person gets something out of this, I feel like it's been a home run in the bottom of the ninth. Um, and I, I'm sure somebody will somewhere somehow, because I know that I did. Well, there, we don't even need to publish this, this um, you know, because yeah, like nobody lost files, extra credit. Um, because I know listening to Javier's Gebert's, um, all those things. And, uh, like with Gebert's mom passed and like my mom had a heart attack that same year mm. and like, I could have lost mom. And like, there's things that you connect with, you know, that, that are crazy. And like, I was golfing with Eric Payne yesterday and, uh, Steve Newman. And I said to Eric, I'm like, yo, I'm going to be on the podcast tomorrow. And he's like, tell me when it airs. I'm like, I don't think I will. I was like, I know I'm not listening to it. I don't need to hear my goof. I don't need to hear my goofy ass voice. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like he's like, yo, let me let me know when it comes out. Like, you know about me, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I hope it helps somebody. It's been a blast. I, I just love when I saw your concept. I thought it was spot on because it's everything I sort of believe in. And like the the putting to bed twenty years ago. Like I love documentaries and podcasts because you get to see celebrities behind the scenes. To see all my peers behind the scenes, I'm like, oh, Gabbert was a normal person. Like mm. I thought he was like the dude like and when he talks about like everything he went through in college and like right. all this stuff like and like with you like wwe oh man like that's you're just another dude like you you got your own insecurities that you're working with and you got your own things you're proud of which is this podcast is i think it helps a lot more people than you realize which is cool real cool thanks yeah I, thank you man that means a lot because the one thing i i always tell people so occasionally on an individual basis people will mention like you know, something helping him. But I always tell people that like, it helps me. I think it helps me way more than it helps like other people. So it's nice to hear that, mm -hmm. like from yeah. even from someone that's like looking at it, that maybe has four years of separation uh, mm -hmm. from a lot of these names, but you maybe still remember, remember them and, and remember at least the, the times um, to see that it, it, it hits you like that too, means a lot to me. So thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like you said, man, I'm glad we could reconnect. Like, I think you're doing great things and, uh, I hope this helps somebody and I hope it wasn't, uh, too wordy or stupid. And if it was people, you probably aren't listening to it now. So last thing I got to do to you, Chris, because I do yeah. have the you middle got school it. yearbook there. Yes. There you are. The Nautica striped shirt. There it That's is. That's clutch. 
so here I also got now see there's Sean with the Chicago look at you got Sean Higgins wearing the Chicago White Sox mm-hmm. there now is this seventh grade Ooh, and we got the Villanova this is eighth am I doing this the right way uh, okay uh, it's eighth okay I was seeing if we could if we had Eric Payne or Kevin in the, that one yeah this is uh yeah that's eighth grade that's all right oh that's great yeah, that's man. super I remember that and it's funny those clothes back then like I have a uh, something from back then and i put it on like what size shirt did i have to get back then <laughs> i got i don't know if you can see this i can yeah 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 visor yes you and eric that with a wig that that is what this was wissick and prom party 2000 let's see and then i have my i didn't think you were gonna have this so i all right let me grab it. okay here we go it's downloading. <laughs> it needs to download. It's yeah, yeah. having a moment. Uh, not local file there. I guess not. I got my high school. Perfect. Because I figured, and yes, they are the bleach blonde tips because mm-hmm. that sun and was hitting back then. Um, but yeah, that, that is, I'm so glad you found that. Literally, I can't believe my, I got rid of mine. I had things written in there like girls circles. Like, oh, yeah. God, the embarrassment <laughs> of it all. Like, yeah, I just man, think, like, if I was normal, I could have made, yes. I was just thinking, and then the other one had the sprockets on it. That's what I was looking for. That was the year okay. before. That's funny the shit you remember. And, like, <laughs> literally, like, like circle, like, this girl, and, like, got no fight with him. Like, oh, my God. Oh, God. Well, yeah. Well, there you go. I'm glad you found that. That made this whole thing yeah, worthwhile. Yeah, it made it worth it. <laughs> yeah. If nobody got anything out of this, you and I got a lot out of it. So I enjoyed it. <laughs> I appreciate your time, man. And I hope Absolutely. we can get together sometime soon. Uh, yeah. Come down. We can go get lunch together at the Italian market. Maybe if any yeah. of the other, you know, if anybody else wants to get together as humans, once we can figure whatever's going out in this world. All right. That was Chris Hoagland. I appreciate Chris for sharing his story, and I never knew Chris's bullying in middle school had reached the levels that they did and to the point where he wanted to leave. Holly and Barclay and some others have talked about their struggles in the district, so this isn't uncommon, unfortunately. And overall, I don't know if it's improved anywhere in the country, let alone Wissahickon. But it is good to hear how positive Chris is, and I appreciate some of those great gems of life that he dropped on me. If you want to see this conversation with myself and Chris Hoagland, youtube.com slash redshirtplaya. And again, follow this podcast on Facebook and Instagram at We Weren't Friends in High School. In two weeks on a Monday morning, my guest will be Hank Jones. Hank is the first underclassman to do the podcast, class of 2002. We shared a memorable TV lab class together my senior year. This was an exciting conversation as Hank is in Los Angeles as a TV writer, most recently working on Bel Air, the upcoming reboot of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which is coming this February on Peacock. So we'll talk about how Hank got to this point in Hollywood, uh, stories of growing up in Ambler, and how some of his past experiences from school inspire his creativity today. All right, that is it for me. I will see everyone in two weeks on a Monday morning with my guest, Hank Jones. Later.